How's everyone doing today? It's a beautiful Sunday afternoon. It's good to see you. If you are happy to be in the house of the Lord, say, I'm happy. happy. Turn to the person next to you. Just say hello. Tell them you're happy. Because I'm happy. Because I'm happy. Come along if you feel happy. Amen. Amen. Don't put that on the podcast. I don't want people hearing me singing. It's a beautiful day. I want everyone to turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 26. We're going to look at two verses in Proverbs today. And then we're also going to uh, look at quite a few verses throughout the Bible. Someone is excited about the Bible. That's what I'm talking about. I want to encourage you to take notes. I'm not going to go through all these passages in a slow fashion. But here in New Philly, uh, we really believe in testing everything. And so when I preach, you should write down the Bible verses that I give you and then check them because you're not going to remember them. I mean, you may have the best memory. You may think you have the best memory. But in our generation, with all the distractions and all the things that we hear, our memories are not that great. So please write down the Bible verses and check later. Um, don't be like a lemming or someone who's just, oh, I'm just receiving, receiving. But really, after the message, go home and in your own study, check back about what I talk about. You know, see if I'm telling you the truth. I am. But when you go and you review it yourself, it actually brings forth fruit in your life. You know, you may be impacted today through the message, but I promise you, if you'll go back over what is spoken from the pulpit today and you study it and you really chew on it, it will bring breakthrough, not just in your life, but in the lives of people around you. And that's the whole point. So today I want to talk to you on the topic, answer not, answer not. Look at Proverbs 26 verses 4 and 5. We're going to read these two verses all together. One, two, three. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Bow your heads. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for your house. We thank you for family. We thank you that when we enter your house, God, we can receive wisdom from the Father. We can receive wisdom and truth, life, breakthrough, and connection with you. God, I pray that, Lord, today will be a day of breakthrough. I pray that today will be a day in which your truth would resound much louder than the lies of the enemy. I pray, God, that you would open up our ears to hear, our minds to conceive it, and our hearts to receive everything that you have to say. God, I pray for every person here, whether it's their first time or their hundredth time, that your word would be like living water. It would be a fresh word, God, for them today. And Lord, I bless them in Jesus name. Amen. So this passage says, answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. And then it goes on in the next verse. Answer a fool according to his folly lest he be wise in his own eyes. Proverbs, we know, is the book of wisdom. It's a part of wisdom literature in a certain section of the Bible, specifically in the Old Testament. And Proverbs, we know that to be the book where we can find wisdom. 
And here in this passage, we see that the writer of Proverbs is telling us, don't answer a fool according to his foolishness, his folly. In the Bible, whenever we see it talk about folly, it's essentially talking about anything that exists outside of the word and wisdom of God. Anything outside of what God gives to you and and speaks to you and initiates in your life, I want to tell you the truth. It's foolishness. When the devil speaks his certain lies, even if you perceive it to be true, if it's not coming from the mouth of the father, it is foolishness. And here in this passage, it says, answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. You ever had a moment where someone was coming at you with a lot of foolishness and you joined in? My testimony is filled with those moments. My life story is like, you know, it's one moment after another where someone approached me with foolishness and I joined in. I remember when I first met my cousins. I hope they never hear this. But I remember my first cousins whenever we first met and they came from a different part of town than I did. And they introduced me to all kinds of foolishness. You know, me, I was this young, small child, very wide eyed, very pure, innocent, holy. The moment I met them, all of a sudden, my mom whooped me. She disciplined me a lot more from that moment. It says, answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. This seems contradictory, doesn't it? Doesn't this seem like a contradiction? I thought the Bible was true. How is it contradicting itself in one verse? When I read this verse, I thought that. Literally, I was like, wait a minute. This seems to be going back and forth. I need wisdom in this year of wisdom. But this doesn't sound like wisdom. And so I looked it up. And a lot of scholars, when they look at this passage, they see that verse 4 is actually the general rule. That you don't answer a fool in his folly because you will become like him yourself. But the only time that you will answer a fool in his foolishness is if that fool ends up feeling like he's wise in his own eyes. What am I talking about? I want today to impart to you some wisdom, specifically in the area of relationships, in the way that you relate to people, to God, and also to Satan. Because we also relate to him in some interesting ways. So I want to give you three areas in your life where you're not meant to answer where you are to answer not because I don't know about you but when foolishness and things come at me I have a tendency to always answer I have a tendency to talk a lot I guess that's why I have the mic (laughs) I have a tendency whenever things come at me I can get defensive I can answer I can do all these things but this passage is telling us answer not A fool according to his folly. I want to give you three places, three areas where you are to answer not. The first place where you're not to answer is before your enemies. You are not to answer your enemies. The first enemy is Satan. You're not to answer Satan all the time. Did you know that? You know, so many of us struggle because Satan comes at us and he accuses us and he tells us, You're nothing, you're weak. You did this. You remember when you did this? You remember when you did this? Oh, look at you in your sin. Look at you in your place of darkness. Earlier this past week, I was sitting in, I was in the office and I was in, we have these two different rooms in the office and we have this one smaller room called the agape room. 
And we have another room called the Aletheia room. Pastor Christian just loved Greek. He was studying Greek at that time. And the agape room, which means unconditional love, is the smaller room. And so it's a room where you have one-on-one meetings. It's if you need to have confrontations. So you bring them into the unconditional love room. (laughs) And that's where you confront them. And I'm sitting in there because I needed, I had a lot of work I needed to do, a lot of things I needed to get done. And I remember I was sitting in there working by myself in this one-on-one room and everyone else outside was laughing. Everyone was having a great time because Pastor Christian and Pastor Aaron are in Shanghai. And so, you know, when the, when the father's gone, everyone has a great time and everyone, oh snap, you know, uh, oh snap. I just threw the whole staff under the bus. I apologize. (laughs) um, forgive me. But yeah, I was sitting in there and I was sitting there doing work. And then all of a sudden Satan started coming at me with tons of lies. He was like, no one likes you. Look at you. You're in this room all by yourself. You're all alone. I was like, you know what, Satan? That's true. I am. And all of a sudden me and Satan started getting this conversation. You ever done that before? He comes at you with these lies. He's like, no one likes you. Look, everyone's having so much fun without you. They don't even notice you're here. And I'm sitting there and I'm trying to do work, but I can't do work because all I'm thinking about are these lies that Satan's giving to me. And so we need to learn how to not answer the enemy. So So many times in my past, I've struggled because Satan comes at me with accusations based upon my past. In my past, I was promiscuous. I was an alcoholic. I I slept around. I was doing all these different things. And Satan, sometimes he loves to come at me with the lies from what I used to do. He comes at me and he tells me, oh, remember when you did this? Remember when you struggled with this? Oh, you and especially when you make a mistake, right? When you make a mistake, that's when Satan's like, he's almost like he's waiting. And he comes in with these lies. And Satan accuses us. And I realized today, I realized as I was preparing that Satan will always accuse you to try to convince you that you're defined by what you do. Satan will always accuse you. You need to understand this. This is going to make a lot of sense as I keep going. Satan will always try to accuse you to try to get you to define yourself by what you do, because Satan himself is defined by what he does. You know, Satan is called the accuser of the brethren. In Revelation twelve ten, it says the accuser of the brethren has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before God. He's called the accuser of the brethren because he accuses night and day. John eight forty four. he's called the father of lies because all he does is lie. Revelation twelve nine says that he's called the deceiver. Why? Because all he does is deceive. He's called the enemy because all he does is oppose us. He's a thief and a murderer. Why? Because all he does is steal, kill and destroy. And Satan constantly and because he's defined by what he does, he's always heaping accusation at us to try to convince us that we're defined by what we do. And so I'm sitting in this room and all of a sudden, yeah, I'm in the room by myself and Satan's giving me all this accusation. And Satan would like nothing more for you to define yourself by what you do as well. But it's foolishness. And you've got to start learning how not to always answer when Satan speaks to you. I know the Bible says that you resist the devil and he will flee from you, right? But sometimes the best resistance is to ignore. 
you know, you have to learn not to even give the enemy your time. Why? Because all it is is a distraction. As Satan was attacking me, I didn't get any work done. I was dialoguing with Satan. I was meditating on what he was telling me, and I could not do anything that I needed to do. In the office recently, PC, he put up this do not disturb sign. And so on his door in in the lead pastor's office, he has a sign that says now do not disturb. And so whenever he's got tons of work to do because he's overseeing the church plan, he's overseeing all the campuses. And so whenever he's got a ton of work to do, we'll look and we'll see the do not disturb sign. And I remember one time I uh, did not obey the do not disturb sign. I just walked on in. He's like, what are you doing? Don't you see the sign? I was like, oh, sorry. And I closed the door. And he put up this do not disturb sign because he's got so much work to do that if anyone disturbs him and distracts him, it's going to take away from the work that he needs to do. You need to start putting up a do not disturb sign to the lies of the devil. You know, I heard this guy, Tony Schwartz, talk about that whenever you're distracted from a specific task, Whenever you're distracted, in order to get back to that task, it's going to take you 25% more time to accomplish that task. And Satan comes at us with lies and accusations and all these different things to distract us because he knows it will cause delay between us and the purposes of God. What lies has Satan been speaking to you lately that you've been meditating on, that you've been dialoguing with him about? Every time Satan does that, you know what he's doing? He's trying to create delay between you and what God's doing in your life. Men, when Satan comes in with lies about your purity, lies about your holiness, you know what he's doing? He's creating distance and delay between you and the purpose of God for you to be a holy example to other men. Sisters, when Satan comes in with all these lies about your identity, about who you are, all these accusations, and you're dialoguing with him, you know what he's doing? He's getting you to focus on him so you can stop focusing on how you're supposed to walk in the call of God. So sometimes you need to just, you know what? I ain't even giving you any more of my time. You got to be far too busy following after the call of God to give the enemy any more of your time. Not only with the enemy, but also with people the enemy uses. I'm talking about when people start accusing you, slandering you, reviling you. A lot of people in the house recently, they've been coming to me about accusation that they've been experiencing. Maybe you've got people that are telling you, you know, your boss never cuts you a break. Your parents accuse you or people start telling you that the church you attend is a cult. You know, we have a lot of people that say, don't go to New Philly. We hear they they come to say, Pastor Marcus, people keep coming to me saying, don't go to New Philly. That place is a cult. And then I ask them, I say, how many sermons have they listened to? Um, None. How many services have they attended? None. How many people have they interacted with? Uh, None. And yet, all of a sudden, they're accusing about what the house is about. Some of you, your parents have been giving you accusation about following the call of God on your life. But they always, those accusations always come based upon perception, never upon substance. Those accusations come based on perception and not upon substance. 
ask yourself is the when you're interacting with people that are that are coming against you with accusation, ask yourself, is the objective in that conversation to lead to truth or to control? Is this something that I need to answer or is this something that I don't really need to interact with? You know, oftentimes when people that the enemy try to use would attack Jesus, Jesus wouldn't respond to them. You know, Jesus didn't give everyone the same amount of time a day. He he didn't always respond to every accusation that came against him. Turn to Luke 23. Here in this passage is after Jesus has been betrayed by Judas, he has been given over to the chief priests and scribes. And now they're questioning him. And I was looking at this passage and they were they were questioning Jesus. Verse 66, it says that the in Luke twenty two sixty six it says when the day came, the assembly of the elders of the people gathered together, the chief priests and scribes, and they led him, Jesus, away to their council. And they said, if you are the Christ, tell us. They start accusing him. They start speaking to him. And Jesus said to them, listen, if I tell you, you won't even believe me. And if I ask you, you won't even answer. Jesus is like, I I can't even respond to what you are saying to me right now, because if I do, you won't believe what I say. You ever had those moments where people come at you with accusation and you want to start defending yourself? You want to start talking about how, no, that's not true. That's not. But Jesus says here, listen, even if I respond You're not going to believe me. Skip down to verse 70. They all say, well, are you the son of God? Then Jesus doesn't even really respond. He says, well, you say that I am. It's like, Jesus, you didn't answer my question. Then skip over to verse chapter 23, verse six. He goes to Pilate and in other in other books, it says that Jesus didn't even speak to Pilate or if he did, he spoke very briefly. And when Pilate, after his conversation with Pilate, he asked whether the man was a Galilean and he sent him over to Herod, who was himself in Jerusalem at that time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad because he long desired to see him because he had heard about him and he was hoping to see some sign done by them. So he, Herod, questioned Jesus at some length and he made no answer. There, imagine that Jesus is sitting there and everyone's accusing him. Everyone's coming against him. It says in the next verse, they stood by vehemently accusing him. They spoke to him with contempt and mocked him. They're constantly putting all this accusation on Jesus. And you know what Jesus did? Nothing. In fact, he didn't even answer. And he didn't answer because he was afraid. He didn't answer because he was so focused on accomplishing his mission that he didn't have time to give them an answer. He was like, everything that they're bringing at me right now isn't even worth my time of day. How many of us, when Satan is coming at us with all these different attacks and when people are coming at us with all these attacks, we get anxious, don't we? We get defensive. We've got all these things that we want to say, but Jesus in this moment, he's getting attacked from all sides. And instead of responding, he just chills. He doesn't give them 21 reasons why he's the son of God. 
He doesn't give them a point by point list out how to prove that he's the Messiah. No, he recognized that it was a waste of his time to answer every accusation that comes against him. When people and when the enemy's coming against you, how do you respond? I know my tendency sometimes is, you know, my temperament is I'm a phlegmatic sanguine. And phlegmatics, one of their weaknesses is that, well, we, we're peacemakers, phlegmatic. So we want peace on all sides. We want everyone and anyone to be at peace with us. And then I'm a sanguine, which means my temperament is that I'm a, I, my weakness of a, a sanguine is that I can be a people pleaser. So I want peace and I can be a people pleaser. And so anytime accusations or things come against me, my immediate response, my immediate desire is to try and make it right and try to defend myself and try to let them know, no, I didn't mean what I said right there. No, actually, when you said that, this is what I meant. Actually, here, let me talk. And before I know it, I'm joining them in their foolishness. Before I know it, they're coming at me from down here and I'm like, oh, let me join you down here. And then before I know it, I'm in the same pit as the person accusing me. Pastor Marcus, you're a bad pastor. You're doing this wrong. You never give me any time. You know what? You're right. <laughs> Not knowing that everything they're speaking to me right now is foolishness. <laughs> I'm a great pastor. <laughs> hey, I, I don't need, I don't need, I don't need no claps. Don't need no claps. <laughs> See, here's the thing. If you give the enemy time is not an time is not an inexhaustible resource. So if you give the enemy and accusers all your time, you have no time for the will of God. How much time are you giving Satan? How much time are you giving the accusation of others? Do you spend all your time meditating on what is being heaped against you or on what God is saying? That's the first place. The other, the second area you need to answer not is in your relationships. Everyone say relationships. The first, you need to answer not in your relationships. The first reason why is because it establishes healthy boundaries. If you respond to everything and everyone and everything that comes against you, oftentimes what happens is you let down every wall and every guard that is going to protect the life inside your heart. Proverbs 4.23 is a famous passage. It says, guard your heart with all, all diligence, for from it flows the issues of life. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. You know, not everyone should have the same access to your heart. You know, not everyone should have the same access to your mind, to your soul. But when we answer to everyone and we're constantly living in reaction to what people say and do, we're giving people access over and over and over and over again. Especially in the age of social media, right? You can be notified at any time about anything. You know, that was like, I think my biggest annoyance when I got a smartphone was that I always got an email. I was checking my email even when I was outside of work because I could be accessed at any time. And I didn't have any boundaries. And then before I knew it, because so many different areas were getting access to my life and I was answering to everything, all the life that was inside of me was getting drained. And then before I knew it, I wasn't I was tired and I was worn out and I was feeling like I was burnt out. And then I wanted to blame the church. Rather than myself, because I didn't learn how to establish healthy boundaries by not answering everybody. 
in Matthew. I want you to turn to Matthew 13. In Matthew 13, Jesus gives this parable. It's a really famous parable. It's called the parable of the sower. And Jesus talks about how a farmer, he sows seed on on rocky soil. He sows seeds on the seed with on the soil with thorns, and then he sows it in good soil. And then at the end of him giving this parable in verses one to nine, the disciples come to him and they say, hey, why are you speaking code, Jesus? Why are you speaking in parables? And Jesus responds to them in verses 10 and 13. He says, 10 to 13, he answers them to you. It has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait on. Wait a second, Jesus. What do you mean? You're telling me that you are giving one group of people access to the secrets in your life and another people you're not. You know, I'm sure after he gave that first parable, some people had some questions, you know, Jesus, what are you talking about? What does this what does this mean? But he doesn't answer them. He goes to his disciples. For to, to the one who has more will be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Verse 13. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Jesus in this moment is saying, I'm not going to answer everyone who comes to me. I'm not going to give everyone the same access to my heart and my life. Why? Because there's some people that aren't at a maturity level to actually handle what I have to give. But for many of us, that's not how we live our lives, right? We don't know how to set up healthy boundaries in our relationships. And so we give everyone the same amount of access to our lives. It's elsewhere in the Bible. Jesus says, he says, hey, don't don't give to dogs what is sacred and don't cast your pearls to swine. Why? Because they will trample on it. But oftentimes we answer to everyone and anyone because we're so oftentimes so desperate for connection, aren't we? So desperate or so afraid of rejection, so afraid that if I tell this person no, or if I tell this person, no, I can't hang out with you. I can't answer to every time you call that then, oh, they're going to dislike me. They're going to hate me. They're going to think I'm mean. Not recognizing that that's actually sometimes the biggest way that you can love someone is to set up healthy boundaries until that person gets to a level of maturity where they can handle the treasures that God has given to you. So in your relationship, sometimes you need to learn how not to answer every fool when they call. Not to hang out with everyone who wants to hang out with you and then put it on Instagram. Because what it does is it gives certain people access to your life that shouldn't have access. Until they get to a level of maturity in which they can handle the treasure that God's put inside of you. If not, you'll give them something that they can't handle and that access will actually ruin them and your relationship. Some of you may be thinking, what is he talking about? But I'm speaking to somebody right now. You also need to learn how to not answer everything in your relationships, because oftentimes we speak so much that it gives no room for the Holy Spirit to speak. You know, I've God's been really teaching me to be 
as it says in James 1.19, it says, let every person be quick to listen, slow to speak. How quick are you to answer or speak in your relationships? You know, I've had so many times where I've looked like an absolute fool because of my words. I remember there's a sister, one of our leaders here, Joanne, a couple years ago, I remember it was after my Myanmar trip, and she asked to meet up with me and a brother from Hillside. And she was like, hey, guys, I just came, you guys just came back from Myanmar. I want to hang out with you. And she's like, I have some things to share. And so me and this brother, David, not, uh, oh, snap, I said his name. Uh, we, we hung out with her. We called her. And we, we got, and we just came back from Myanmar. We had an uh, awesome time in Myanmar. We saw healing, signs and wonders, miracles. It was awesome. And then we sit down with her to get coffee. And immediately when we sit down, we just start talking. And me and David, we just start talking about Myanmar. And we start talking about how awesome Myanmar was. And we're high-fiving each other. We're telling jokes. And she's just sitting there the whole time. And we're just talking about, man, it was so awesome. And you remember when that miracle happened? Yeah. And you remember when that miracle happened? Yeah. And then, and then about an hour goes by. Don't judge me. Okay, I'm learning. About an hour goes by. And then at the, we're finished with our coffee. We're finished with our food. And then at the end, she's like, hey, guys, uh, yeah, I wanted to share something. And then we look at each other and we're like, oh, snap. That's the whole reason why we were here. And she shares about this powerful breakthrough that God had brought in her life. And then we sit and we look at each other and we realize we talk too much. <laughs> and and we, we realized in that moment that we're speaking so much that we were not in a position to hear what God was doing. Sometimes we can meet with people, we can be in, our, in relationships with people, and we spend all our time talking and not enough time listening. Something else God's been really teaching me how to do is to pause. Whenever I'm in, in conversation with someone and they start speaking or they start sharing what's going on, before I answer, God's been teaching me to pause. Just to give three to five seconds before I answer. Because usually if I don't wait three to five seconds, I'm going to say something I shouldn't say. But oftentimes, especially if that person is venting, and they're just saying all this thing. If I pause for three to five seconds, usually by the end of that five seconds, they're saying, you know what? I shouldn't have said what I just said. Or you know what? I just felt God speak to me and bring conviction about what I just said. I'm sorry for what I just said. But oftentimes, if we're so defensive and, and always looking to answer anytime someone speaks something, it, it oftentimes ruins the relationships, doesn't it? Because... If a person's accusing and then you get defensive and then before you know it, the, the anger level just continues to increase and increase and increase. But if we learn how to sometimes just not even answer, it creates room for the Holy Spirit to speak. I find when I just stop to pause, God speaks to people far more powerfully than I could. And the last place where you need to learn how to answer not is before God. something God's been speaking to me a lot about lately is, is the necessity to listen in the place of prayer. You know, it's, 
it's so important for you to speak when you come before God, but it's that much more important for you to listen. You know, the word listen appears 266 times in the Bible. And almost every time it refers specifically to God calling the people to listen to him or to listen to those who are speaking on behalf of him. And when you come before God, do you speak most of the time or do you listen? In Exodus 15, 26, God speaks to Moses, to the people. He says, if you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord, your God. I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord, your healer. Sometimes if you just stop and listen to God, you receive healing when he speaks. Proverbs 15:31 says the ear that listens to life giving rebuke will dwell among the wise. When you stop and you listen to God, even if it's a hard word, you'll receive wisdom. Ecclesiastes 5, 1 to 3. Here's a famous passage in regards to listening to God. It says, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. For they do not know that they are doing evil. Verse 2, be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. The last passage I want to look at in terms of listening to God is in Matthew 17. Everyone turn to Matthew 17. Matthew 17. I'm going to look at verses 1 to 5. So you shouldn't you shouldn't answer the enemy and whenever he speaks to you and, and sometimes it's important in your relationships to not answer and speak so much in your relationships. But really in your relationship with God, you, we have to get better about speaking less and listening more. Matthew 17, one to five. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them in his face. Jesus shone like the sun. And his clothes became white as light. That's crazy, right? You would think that in that moment, everyone would be on their face. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. So this is the pinnacle of a Jew to see Moses and Elijah and then Jesus shining like the sun. This is the pinnacle of a Jewish life. You are, you are on the mount. You see Moses and you see Elijah. And now you've got the Messiah shining forth. You would think you wouldn't have much to say. Verse four. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. Now, that's the most obvious statement in the whole Bible. His face is shining like the sun. Of course, it's good to be here. Right. Lord, it's good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here. One for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah. You know what happened? Peter was before God and he got anxious. He was before God. He was before his glory. And he started, he started getting anxious. God, you know, it's really good that we're here right now. Yo, do you check, check out, you see his face shining. This is good. Let's do something. We need to build a tent. Let's do something. Right. He was still speaking. Verse five. He was still speaking, meaning Peter was still saying stuff. That's not all he said. He kept talking. 
when behold, a bright cloud overshadowed him. He was talking so much, a bright cloud had to come. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Peter, stop talking. Can't you tell his face is shining like the sun? Moses and Elijah are here. You don't need to say too much. Listen. This is my son whom I love. I'm so proud of him. Listen to him. Peter was so busy talking that he almost missed the revelation that God had for him to receive. See, sometimes we can be talking so much that we do not listen. We can get so wrapped up in trying to we get anxious and even defensive before God. And we're talking so much that we don't even hear when he wants to give us a real revelation of Jesus. We can. Proverbs says in, that wisdom literally calls out from the streets. But the question is, are we listening? Sometimes we can get so distracted by the accusations of Satan, of people, of even ourselves. That inward clock that's constantly spewing forth accusation. And we forget that we live by every word that comes from his mouth. You know, the word revelation is oftentimes tied to the word wisdom in the Bible. Paul says it's the same spirit, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. But wisdom is never arrived at. For the external processors in the room, the more you, you don't arrive at wisdom and revelation by continuing to talk. The word revelation comes from the root word meaning to reveal. That's what, literally what it means. In revelation, if you never learn how to listen to God, you won't receive revelation. Because it, it requires listening. You know, this message today is, is meant to be very simple. I just felt for you that God desires to speak to you, to tell you who you really are, to remove the lies of the accuser, to bring down false accusations of people, to give you the security that will allow you to listen to others and also to listen to God himself. You know, one of my favorite questions to ask people is, what has God been saying to you lately? Usually when you ask someone how they're doing, they're really good about telling you what Satan's been speaking to them lately or what their, their mama's been telling them lately or what their circumstances have been speaking to them lately and, and about how they're responding to the words and accusations of their circumstances and of Satan. But what is God saying to you lately? Usually a person's answer to that question says a lot more about where they're at with God than anything else. Why is that? It's because while Satan and our circumstances and all these things can speak to our mind. It's really the Holy Spirit and God that can speak to our hearts. He speaks to the substance of who we are. And what God wants to do today is to help us not to hear Satan so much. Not to focus on answering him, but to hear the Father and listen. So let's pray together.